Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 25. Oh man. (laughs) All right, before we get started, don't take notes. I've taken notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. Check out my photography portfolio. Check out the show notes. Check out the Hire Me link and hire me to do all of your food and product photography because I'm amazing. Do you have questions for the podcast? Do you want to be on the podcast? Do you have show ideas for the podcast? Do you need culinary sleuthing? Send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Let's do it, guys. Let's go on a food adventure. Today's a super fun episode. Today we're talking all about wine again and in a really different way. We're talking about different varietals you might know, not know about. So I really recommend grabbing a glass of wine right now and joining me and my guests because we're going to dive right into it. We talked for a long time. I love her to death. And she happens to be the first guest that I've had live in the studio Since the conception of the podcast, because we didn't do anything live because of Corona. And now I'm fully vaccinated. Everyone in my household is fully vaccinated. And any guest who's fully vaccinated that wants to come on the podcast and do it live, well, they're welcome to. And we did. And we tasted a ton of wine and we had a ton of fun. So we're going to dive right into this right now. So my guest today... Oh, she's so amazing. Shiri is the wine director for one of my favorite liquor stores in the metro Boston area. It's called Julio's Liquors. It has over 4,000 labels of wine from 16 different countries. And she knows them all and knows everything there is to know about everything to do with wine. She's such an amazing human. She's been in the industry for over a decade. I adore her, and now she's become one of my good friends. Shocking, I know. So please welcome to the podcast, Cassie from Julio's Liquors. (sighs) Cassie, you're here. I'm here. I'm so pumped. So first and foremost, we have to chills because she's here live with me. The inaugural live show. Mm-hmm. It is. It's the Cassie and Beth show. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. We are uh, drinking wine. So leading up to this, I've already given an intro. People know who you are. They know where we fell in love. Okay. What they don't know is we are drinking and podcasting today. We are. This is an interesting experience because it's also my first podcast ever. This so, is so much fun. If anyone knows me, they know that sometimes I can be let off the let off the cuff. So this will be interesting. And especially when there's alcohol too. So this is just going to be even more let off the cuff fun. It is. It I'm is. so excited and I'm so honored that you are here hanging oh, out with me. And sweet. now we're like new best friends. So and our puppies are going to play together and we're going to yes. be best friends forever and yes. ever and ever. Okay, awesome. That's what wine does. It's been bringing people together like this for 8,000 years. That's why I do this job. Exactly. So, I do this job. 
Great lead-in. Let's. And we, I, we're only going to talk about you for a second, and then we're going to talk about wine because okay, I know, I know you. <laughs> good. Where, where did you grow up? A little bit about your background. Um, so I grew up in the very small town, very small city of Gardner, Massachusetts. Oh, sure. So chair city of yeah. the world, the New England There's now. a huge chair that as you're driving into Gardner off the highway, isn't there? Yes, it's in front of the elementary school. Perfect. Um, we were all actually recently, we found out that they were changing the wooden chair out to an aluminum chair, which is quite upsetting because there's a lot of, you know initials with hearts around them. Oh my God, you guys carved everything in the chair. From like the, (laughs) probably when my mother was in high school there. So it was a little bit devastating to everyone involved. But yes, Um, so that's where I grew up. And then actually, you know, my parents instilled art and culture and I cannot give them more credit to who I grew up as a person and how I interact socially. They're humans that I could probably never achieve to be, but try to every day. So they're just cool people. Um, well, like for people who don't know, Gardner is kind of correct me if I'm wrong, kind of like northwestern-ish. Yep, Massachusetts, where like you're out of the city, you're out, you're out of what the 495 loop, and you're kind of going into that like where New Hampshire and Vermont and Massachusetts, the border of all three states, kind of are inching towards each other. So it's like mountainous yep. farms, really beautiful countryside foliage there is fantastic yeah you've got you get a lot of foliage peepers a lot of little leaf peepers coming in a lot of smells a lot of you know and I think that's a big reason why I mean I grew up with parents who cooked a lot as Mm -hmm. well um and cooked from scratch and mainly because you know we I I was taught to utilize as much in the kitchen as possible yeah and you eat what's in the kitchen not what you want Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big deal. And if you don't like what's on the table, then there's the kitchen. And you are more than welcome to make wow. yourself a sandwich. Wow, I like, respect so. your parents. Yeah, they did until they brought us to restaurants and we were all ordering off the um, adult menu. And not the kids. My parents were like, like, don't I'll even worry about the, it. Uh, tri- the tri-tip thing. They're not even going to look at the kids menu. We've like, done bad things. Bring just on, bring on the tartare. My mom fun. has this story of me sitting on her lap and I, she couldn't get the um, mussels out of the shell quick enough for me I love that but she had to do it for me so oh my um, god always grew up with flavors and and tastes and smells and um my mother sometimes talks about it now but like cooked spinach for me physically used to hurt my tongue why it was cooked because it's so sharp and it's so potent are you a super taster I haven't I don't you've not been diagnosed but I don't want to go there. Okay. But like there are certain like cilantro is very, very like I can't do PD scotches. That's okay. not something I can do because okay. it's not pleasing for me. It's very, I just taste band-aids the whole me time. Me too. I don't like PD scotches as well. And cilantro for me has to be done in a balanced way and has to be done properly in a dish. If not, and I don't mean that to be pretentious. No, I just no, no. mean there needs to be balance for me because then it kind of interacts with my back palate, which is, I just have a very sensitive back palate. Are you a person who tastes like soap? Because you yeah. know how, it, yeah? So there's this, um, one of my very good mentors, Katie Kelly, she was the whole reason I'm pretty much where I am today with my wine career. But one of our, you always get these little moments with wine tasters and professionals. And if you've ever gotten secret dried, uh, secret rose deodorant yeah. as a kid. Yeah. And maybe you scratched your armpit a yeah. little bit and then you got it in your mouth. That's what a particular like rose petal characteristic in a wine for me is. Oh wow! Especially in things where we might taste some that might have a little bit of that today, but yeah. it's in a very pleasing manner, and it's 
that's kind of what started me on my journey of looking at phenols and proteins and how they interact with the grape and how they interact with flavor profiles. I love that. I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. No, we need to geek out on this. I think that's awesome. So that's a really good segue into how you got into the industry of wine buying. So it sounds like, because you were not just, uh, are you a sommelier? I I did my intro. Yeah. Um, There's a little bit of controversy behind there that I may or may not support. Uh, There's Um, a there's not a little bit. There is a ton. So and I may or may not have experienced it during my intro um, uh, experience. So uh, I and unfortunately working in restaurants, you don't have a whole lot of time to do anything else than and, and and I've always been kind of a workaholic in my own mindset so this is the first time in my life I've like slowed down and actually been able to look into some accolades and some scholastic accolades Mm -hmm. but I was actually living in um Rockledge Florida and that's where is that like central Florida uh yeah so it's um 45 (laughs) minutes south of Orlando oh I had started in Merritt Island I moved down there with a friend because I wanted to be an interior designer and something happened with my community college in Gardner and UMass Amherst. They had dropped the program. And so my best friend was moving down there. Brevard Community College had it as a major. Mm. And so the plan was to go there and then veered when I was in a relationship, as sometimes that happens. And he happened to be in the beer industry. Okay. And so I found that wine, wine wine buying in the wine industry was a thing. And my, I was wholeheartedly, I was drinking Woodbridge White Zinvindel. Sure. In the four packs. Oh, classy. Because you can take them to the beach because they're plastic. And you're in Central Florida. And this is like original Ron John surf yeah. shop, yeah. Cocoa Beach. Like that's where I was. Yeah. And so this is where you landed. So she brought me to a tasting and said, oh, she likes Zinvindel. And then there was the Lodi County Clinker Brick oh my God. Zinvindel, <laughs> which is totally different. But... <laughs> Not even in the same realm. No, you're in a different planet. Yeah, this is like somebody saying that they like (laughs) they like spice when it comes to herbs, Mm -hmm. and somebody giving them Mad Dog hot sauce. Like that would be the comparison. A hundred percent. So um, I tasted it and really enjoyed it. And before that, I mean, my sisters were trying and trying and trying to get me to like red wine. My whole family. Yeah. I would put ice in it. Like there. So I this (laughs) my background is not some like you know, tasting professional. Yeah. I think it's just something I've always been sensitive to and listened to. And I think out of nowhere, uh, you know, I found this kind of wine profession mm. by enjoying, instead of necessarily the flavor profile of a wine, and they do this flash to Tante method, which um, you actually boil a little bit of the wine and then flash freeze it, and it's to boil off some of the alcohol. Oh. And it's because in really, really hot vintages, you can get a ridiculous amount of sugar into a Zinvindel. Zinvindel is a grape that some you can even make into a dessert wine. Oh. Because of the density of the grape, how much sugar, how much flavor, how much tannin is in there. And so to make kind of a food-friendly, balanced wine, which is what Clinker Brick really likes to do because they work with old vines, they like to have kind of more of a balance. And so the flash to Tante method is something that they use in France, but where it is is missing. I'm forgetting where they came yeah. up with it, but it is a practice done in the French winemaking industry. That's fascinating. And so I just went down that rabbit hole. And beer has a lot of, um, you know, scientific processes yeah. to it as well. Yeah. I usually tell people, you know, wine professionals, it would be like physics to quantum physics. Yes. 
it, yeah. it is, I mean, dealing with oils and, 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 and leaves and extracting flavors from that is yeah. a totally different mindset than just letting mother nature grow something. Yeah. Picking it at the right time. Oh yeah. Crushing it, leaving it alone and letting yeah. it do its thing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, with wine, there's, correct me if I'm wrong, different ways to ferment it as well, whether it's mm-hmm. in stainless steel whether it's in not stainless steel <laughs> wooden barrels, I yep. couldn't think of what else it would And then I think I could be wrong with this, but in certain places of the world, like maybe Croatia, I could be making this up, or Greece. They Probably do it not. In, Go with your gut. Okay, they do it in clay pots yep. and they bury it underground. Yeah. So where is a, that? Is that Croatia? That's Croatia. Shut up. Very good. So they 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 do bury their wine underneath, but. This, they also have these in uh, Champagne, France. They're called Crayers. So every original winemaking area mm-hmm. called the Old World or Classic Regions mm-hmm. are going to have some sort of underground area that okay. they buried the barrel or they made some sort of concrete cave. cave of some kind where they could just throw the juice. Okay. Because you can control, you need cold temperature. Yeah. And it needs to last throughout the year. Yeah. So then you would, that's kind of how you controlled it then. Mm. I haven't really dived in to the ancient practices scientifically of why they did things, but it's like the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal for me with this job is to, you know, be in the nursing home and like coming up with like the reason, (laughs) like essentially like how the wheel got invented. I love that. I, I just find it so incredible that this agricultural product has been making yeah. people happy and safe yeah for eight thousand years because this That's was incredible a way that people drank this over water because it was healthier yeah and now yeah. and that's kind of where i kind of like to bring whites to okay you don't always have to you know drink the whole bottle you don't have mm. to necessarily feel you know, for me, this is like an addition to the meal. Yeah. And and wine is a lot like pizza. There's a lot of pizzas out there that you like. Yeah. There's definitely some that you don't like. Yeah. But when you're in Sicily, like yeah. when you're in Sicily, you're going to eat Sicilian pizza. Oh, hell yeah. So don't approach wine. This is the wine I like. This is the only one I like. Yeah. Approach it as, ooh, I like this one. What else do? What else can you suggest for me that has the style of flavor? Because if you go to a party at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're gonna want something with eleven percent alcohol. Yeah. That's gonna be refreshing. That'll not make you get sweaty and a headache. Hundred percent. But if because you're more dehydrated, so 100%. do something with less alcohol and less sugar. Drink smarter, oh. not harder. That is our motto. Smarter, not... I'm writing that down. Drink smarter, not harder. Drink smarter, not harder. And then, you know, when it's cold out and at mm-hmm. nighttime, your your body is under a little bit more stress. It's had to do a little bit more yep. things. So when you're at home and you're also eating heartier things at that time, yeah. then your body is going to be okay with what you're having with a red wine. Right. At Thanksgiving, at Christmas, there's a lot of heftier things. You can do a Riesling and a medium-bodied red because it's a huge feast. Right? Yeah, 100%. But, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But there's still some of those heavy flavors and heavy dishes when you're eating at home anyway. Right. And so you're going to want to pair it with a red. Mm-hmm. Everyone now is into pea pods and tomatoes mm-hmm. and shellfish mm-hmm. and lobster. Yeah. And when you put those on your palate, they're not heavy. They're no. light. And you're going to want something that goes along with it. Yeah. And they won't overpower the food. Because like you said, it's all about balance. So 
We are, just so the audience knows, drinking right now. We said it at the top. Yes. We're, we're, we're still drinking. So let's talk about what we uh, just sampled. Because so we're going to be tasting quite a few. <laughs> we are going to be tasting quite a few ones. Um, so this is the Debone Cava. This is imported by, I always like to give my importers street mm-hmm. cred when they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is um, from Oz Wine Company. And it's a Brut Cava. It's a Brut Rosé. Mm-hmm. And so... This one is made with, I think, Tanat. Tanat is a, um, our uh, Tanat and Grenache. Those are typically mm. the two red varietals that you use to make um, kava. But kava has some sort of, in the 70s, it had an identity crisis because that's when champagne regulated that you couldn't call it right. champagne unless it was from the region. And in Spain and France have a huge agricultural, which I found in Muscadet. Ooh. We'll get into the night. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into the Dukes of Brittany. It'll, I'm it'll come. I'm so excited. Because that's where I go. But France and Spain have had a lot of wars. They've had a lot of takeovers. Yeah. So with that came obviously different agricultural practices. But they also have helped save certain vine um, plights from mm. time to time with each other. Mm. So um, Chardonnay got brought to Spain. Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. They were making it to make a sparkling. It wasn't that great. Oh. And then in the 70s, when Champagne said you couldn't call it that anymore unless it came from the region, Cava had to re-identify itself. They yeah. used indigenous grapes from the region. Macabeo, Periata, Jurello. There will be a test at the end. I am like, if people and... can see my, I'm like, I am so in awe of the words coming out of your mouth right and, now. Um, and she's not reading this off a thing. She knows this by heart. I'm just letting you all know that. <laughs> well, it's what I did this for like forever. For, this is what happens when you work in a Spanish restaurant. It's it's a way that you get to talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, so they, and what they found was, is that you had a very similar bubble style. I, this is like a cross between Prosecco and Champagne. Yes. Prosecco tend to have a little bit larger bubbles. Yes. And for me, that's not my akin to bubbles. I like something a little bit more elegant. This yep. has a lot more elegant bubbles, but it's not as dry as Champagne is. A thousand percent. You can still swallow it. I love Cava. I love it. I love it. And this one in particular, it's like... I keep calling it buttery. I don't know if that's a great descriptor for it, but it's got like, it almost reminds me of when you get a really, really, really good triple cream brie and it's just got that great, and it's been sitting out and it's slightly oozy and it just coats your mouth in the most perfect way. So sometimes for me, because I am an emotional eater, 100%. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I am going through a little bit of an identity crisis with, well, most people call it an allergy. I call it an identity crisis. <laughs> Um, with cheese yeah. and also red meat. Yeah. And so when you base meat with butter, yes, that's that savoriness. Yes. It has like this little kind of on the side of your cheeks. Yes. It has that kind of sensation of a savoriness to it. I like kava that has a little bit of savoriness to it because um, I like red wine. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And when you like red wine, it's tough to find that volume of flavor in a white 100% and this is one of those that can do that for me absolutely yeah rosés do that too some rosés some rosés I'm not a huge fan of I'm very particular with rosés but you know me I like that warm terroir Mm -hmm. region of of wines but certain even like there's a I don't have it here and it's a very affordable wine I think it's wolf trap wolf wolfer estate 
Probably. Is it Summer in a Bottle? Yeah. uh, Or the Mendoza Malbec. The Mendoza. The Pinot Noir Rosé. It's made with Pinot Noir grapes, I think. But it's a rosé. And it's really good. And it's uh, a little on the sweeter spectrum, though. And I'm not... You know, some rosés, like, they call them, like, medium. And they're not too dry. But they're even a little extra sweet on that Mm -hmm. spectrum. To me, a rosé... I don't need it to be super bone dry. That's no fun in my mouth. But... I'm like Goldilocks. Like, it needs to be right in the middle. Um, Everybody is like Goldilocks. I know, I know. I've said that to people. Well, some you people... need to hop. Yeah, I agree. Your favorite Italian restaurant yes. in the North End is not the same as somebody else's. No. But sometimes it is. This is You're food. right. It's what you grew up with. You're right. If somebody hasn't eaten hot sauce before, you're not going to start that. You're going to... You got to work up. To you got to work up to them, yeah. right? You're gonna start them with maybe a jalapeno without right. the seeds that's in a dish. You right. know what I mean? Right. You're not gonna give them buffalo sauce right away because, right? You know, I'm one of those people. I had to lead myself up to hot sauce because I didn't oh, understand. Sure. I didn't understand why people wanted their mouth to hurt. Oh, I hear ya. But then once you get addicted to it, it's like. Well, then I started working with professional staff, chefs, and I was yeah. like, oh, balance. Yes. Hi. Hi. Yes. How are you, balance? Wish I had started nice with you guys it. in the future. In the I know, right? So, I think we need to dive into one of the things that, um, oh, are we opening another one? What are we doing? Talk to me. I'm going to start. I'm so excited. Okay. So, I think while my beautiful friend Cassie's opening another bottle um, that she's very strategically thinking about, which I love. So, when we fell in love, I was walking through, and I hope I'm saying this right, Julio's. Yeah. Great. It's not Julio's. It's not Julio's. It's Julio's. They are Italian. Yes. My boys. Yeah. And um, so, oh, wait, what are we having now? This is the Pep Gruner Vetliner from Austria. Perfect. Cheers, <laughs> Cheers to you at home. Oh. Mm. Mm. Oh, she's happy. She's light. She's $9.99. She's beautiful. She's $9.99. She's worth more than $9.99. And organic. No, it's just, I mean, the, and that's when we talk about agricultural products. Yes. What you have under vine versus what it costs to make it in the winery. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, it's, it's an agricultural product that needs to be kept. It's very similar to cheese. Mm-hmm. Cheese has to be kept in a temperature controlled yeah. area. Sometimes it, the longer you keep it at the place before releasing it, yeah. the more money it's going to be. Yeah. That type of thing. This is early ripening. It's fresh. It's ah. delicious. It's very delicious. So when we met, I love that you, I would tell you, yeah, these are the flavor profiles I like. This is the type of wine that I normally drink. This is my price point. Take me. Take me in your arms and let's let's play. And you'd be like, okay, so we're gonna go over. Do you know this? Do you know this area of the world? I'm like, no. Tell me more. Do you have you ever heard of this this varietal? No. Tell me more. And it wasn't like Cab Franc. It wasn't like a Nebbiola. It wasn't. It was. It was like some wine that was made in the rocks of the side of a mountain that if you took a truck there and you needed to get gas at like two towns over because if you got too close you might run out of gas and make sure you fill up your tank and like the stories that you were telling me about these beautiful <laughs> that, that, wines, had to, that had to be Spain because it was to definitely be filled with your car has to be full yes. if you're gonna go to a Spanish I think it, I definitely think it was Spain <laughs> Um, for this particular one. But, I mean, I was like, yes, put it in the cart. Like, I'll take it all. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell, tell me, me more. more. <laughs> so, 
little bit of a theater background. I know. I love it. I love it. Same here. So I think one of the things that you have an amazing amount of knowledge of is lesser known varietals that should be popular that are not. Mm -hmm. And so can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Okay. So we'll first get into Gruner Vetliner. Yeah. So Gruner Vetliner has um, kind of one of those histories where, you know, Austrian, German varietal, um, it tends to go with, it, it's it's a palate starter. It gets yeah. the acid flowing. Um, I it, love yeah, this it makes cheese. your mouth like juicy. It it yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's also done in Slovenia and the Finger Lakes and uh, New York and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of t- okay. Let's get something out of the way. First I've been of all. to the Finger Lakes wineries. I've spent the money. I've gotten day drunk there. They're so good. And bought in cases, but no. But then you come home, and these are not wines you store. They no. are wines you drink. Drink. And then you wait a little too long, and then you open one. And you're like, oh, remember that trip we took to the finger? Oh my god, it was so much fun. And you're like, you take your first sip, and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yes. When I bought a case of this. Right. Well, it's it's a matter of, and and that has to go along with a varietal. You yeah. even though this comes from a from Austria, which is an old world wine region. Yeah. You're not going to want to age this either. No. No. This is the, these are all everything we're talking about today. This yeah. is something you pick up, you drink, you yeah, pour. Yeah, you're eating this with like th- you're drinking this with like Thai food, something spicy, oh, right? Right? Or Vietnamese pho. Oh. Like a like a um and that's Riesling, any sweet Rieslings, yeah. anything like that. For me, I always do something spicy with those because the Riesling is going to calm your taste buds down, so yeah. you're going to taste the spiciness for the first time. It's not going to develop because heat for me sometimes will mask my palate so that I can't really, I'm not really tasting anything in the for dish sure. after like the third or third Absolutely. or fourth bite, right? Absolutely. So Riesling, I always encourage people to pair, especially with like spicy sushi and things like that, because you can experience kind of a first time mm. bite each time. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and so one thing I like to get out of the way when I talk to everybody is there are traditional wine laws. Okay. And there are modern wine laws. Do tell. But there's I before E, except after C, except for these like 18 a singular exceptions that apply to the rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Asking a winemaker mm-hmm. to have agricultural boundaries when Mother Nature controls your product, you're going to have people who don't always follow the rules. And what happens there is it's produced in the region like Burgundy or you know, Bordeaux or in, anywhere in Spain or anywhere in Croatia. They mm. just can't label like all the other wines are labeled in that area. Okay. Or sometimes they can't be brought into the country because of labeling reasons. Okay. That's the only thing. Wines are not not made. Mm-hmm. It's just they're not available in certain markets or there's a different labeling designation with them. Okay. So, there's two stories to how Gruner Vetlin came love to. It. Because you all you have thousands of years of history with it. Absolutely. So, um, it translate to the green wine of uh, Vetlin, okay. which is an area in Italy. Oh. So it does have lineage, and, and it, Italian grape vines, um, they're named after birds, insects yeah. in the vineyard. They're named Everything. after daughters. They're yeah. named after... You name it. Goddesses, whatever yeah. it happens to be. And that's a practice that's continued, you know, throughout wherever. We're going to talk about a wine, Kerner, today that is named after the poet Julius Kerner, the oh, German cool. poet. Yeah. So there's lots of different um, yeah. things that go along. So, and this is a grape that tends to go back to Roman times. Mm. So, but and they they say that, but there's no scientific evidence. And so, that. is a green wine considered uh, green because it's a young wine? 
It actually looks green. Right. Like a Vino Verde or... Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it'll have a green tone to it too. Okay. Versus kind of that yellowish gold tone, which totally goes along with kind of um, uh, skin thickness. Okay. Which then will move over into different flavor profiles. Um, And then the other idea is that was born in Austria. Okay. It's indigenous there. Essentially, um, the biggest thing about this grape is it's high elevation. A lot of these grapes are going to be high elevation. Um, which means you have a smaller berries, which means your concentration of flavor is better. Oh. When you take a grape like this, yeah. where sometimes they used to be, and some of these grapes that we're going to taste today were put into hotter regions and didn't really do well. Sure. And so that's why they kind of went out of, they went extinct essentially. And then when better winemaking practices came in, you put them in the right spot, then we, you saw the high sure. quality of it. Yeah. So Gruner. If you're a person who gets in the boat and goes up and gets oysters on the half shell, if you're going to the Cape and you want to grab a couple of, you know, if you want to grab a six pack of wine to go with everything Mm -hmm. that's going to go with seafood, Mm -hmm. that's going to be everything we're talking about today. Okay, great. Everything. Any summer salads, raw vegetables, um, and, you know, some of these even too... Anything that's fried, fried soft shell crab. You name it. Fry it. I'll eat it. It doesn't. Like a lobster a lobster salad with this, but the one that has yeah. like the oil with like a little oh. bit of the parsley. Oh, I'm salivating. And then it has the bun that has a little bit of butter on the outside. Oh, and then the dirty. Pic- and then the dill pickle. Yes, please. You know, the, the sliver, not the chips. Not the chip. Let's no, not go crazy. the sliver. Let's, the let's, sliver. Let's, let's be practical. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, this is delicious. And I'm even pouring a second snudge because... Um, She's really pretty. And like Mm -hmm. she looks pretty. She's, um, it almost has this like, not flatness to it, but it doesn't have a ton of body to the wine itself. Mm -mm. And it's just like a nice smooth, it's right in the middle of the road. It's not a high, it's not a low. It's right. It's really absolutely delicious. And I've had Gruner's before and there's Gruner Vet Liner. Vet Liner. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Gruner Minster. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's another Gruner. There is. There, there there's is. a ton of Gruners. Oh, yeah. What are a few other lesser known varietals? So there's um, Alagote. Where is that from? That's from Burgundy. Ooh. And it was actually right up until, I think, the 17th century. Pretty sure. Okay. Um, up until the 17th century, it was pretty much planted right alongside Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Oh. Um, and then for whatever you know war that was fought yeah it ended up kind of going away and then it's kind of worked its way back into the gene pool um i love aligote um chardonnay for me sometimes tends to be a little bit too heavy and a little bit too much alcohol for me and i need some hearty food and some or the end of the day for me to be able to drink that yeah aligote is one of those perfect kind of fresh varieties oh i love that these are all going to come from regions where people drink a wine at a certain time throughout the day Right? And yes. so they're looking at alcohol content and yes. color. They're not necessarily yes. looking for the, the label. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that yeah. either. Yeah. We grew up differently with wine here in the States. We did. But that doesn't mean there isn't an interest, especially nowadays, kind of with everyone cooking from home and yep. kind of wanting to create that experience too. Um, I'm always looking for, you know, if I have, when you have like a simple dish in the afternoon where sometimes I take tuna from a can yeah. and add some avocado to it with a little bit of dill and then I want a wine to go with that an Elio's pizza 
I'm having a bad day. I don't want to cook for myself. No. Elio's pizza for me is extremely comfortable Absolutely. and comforting. Absolutely. And then you take, I know this is off topic. No, it's, a red, it's not. But then you take like a medium bodied red wine yeah. that you really love and you pair it with it and you're having yourself a fabulous day. Absolutely. And like we, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but when my husband Todd and I went on our honeymoon, we went to, we went to Scotland, but then we also did three weeks in Italy and we've been to Europe many times and the one thing i love about italy or any place in europe especially italy is you're never going to get shit faced on the wine in italy ever same thing in portugal you're not getting drunk on the wine in portugal either also has a big deal to do with the cuisine that Mm -hmm. exists in that area too i agree but it's also um the lower alcohol content yeah in the wine and so there's something very beautiful about being able to day drink a bottle of wine with a hearty lunch, maybe getting it. Well, yeah, you're getting an espresso after, but then you can still go about your entire day. You're yeah. not buzzed. You're not anything. It, it's just an enjoyable experience that the, the delicious wine pairs deliciously with the food. Mm-hmm. Here in America, we decide wine gets you drunk. Yes. And wine doesn't need to get you drunk. Well, in America's defense, that's kind of how we approached alcohol in every facet. Absolutely. Due to the fact that prohibition existed. Absolutely. Yes. And so what you had was, is you had, we came up with hard distilleries, hard liquor. And then you had European drinking styles come over and do the same thing with that high-end alcohol. Then what created through prohibition was cocktails. You're dumb, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're bringing up, you're, you know, you're making the alcohol go a little bit further. Well, yeah, and to mask right? the bathtub gin that you might exactly. go blind drinking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But because you mask the alcohol flavor. Oh, yeah. And so with that, you know, America over here, I mean, it's a melting pot of different cultures and styles of eating yes. and drinking and everything else. Totally. And, you know, just like I grabbed eight wines for today's <laughs> podcast. I can't say that I'm not guilty of having that kind of well, that's big what I love about ideology you. as well. That's what I love. Okay, so we just poured a second, a third one. What are well, we you were talking about Italy. Yeah. So I thought that was a good segue into Falangina. Oh, from Campania. Yes. yes. Cheers to that. Woo-hoo. Girl, get it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is beautiful. No, you can get Falangina. Falangina makes me happy in my heart. Makes me happy all over. So Falangina, um, one of my first whites that I brought into restaurants, it goes risottos that have like blistered tomatoes, spinach, monkfish would go beautifully with this. Chenin Blanc goes great with kind of heavier dishes like that. Um, Anything with tuna, um, tuna steak, not tuna from the can. That was a different different ideology. So um, Campania. Love it. If, for those of you who don't know Campania, Campania is ancient, mm-hmm. ancient Greek and Roman yep. mythology. This is um, where um, Pompeii. Yeah, you're in southern uh, yeah, Italy. Yeah, yeah. So um, Pompeii is here. You've got a tremendous amount of rich history. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you also have, like you were talking about before with these ancient winemaking yeah. practices, if you taste this, yep. it's bright. It's light. It doesn't hang in the jowls. No, other things hang in my jowls, but not this, no. When I get lemonade that's really crisp and refreshing. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit too sour for me too. This is what I want from like a crisp. Absolutely. Lemonade that's like quenching my thirst and can still grow up the day. It's not yeah. going it, to, it's, it's literally creating a complete feeling for me when I swallow it, which is, yeah. which is perfect for that. Cheeses, meats, um, 
you know, anything that you, you can have, and this is something that you can have by the glass during the day. Mm-hmm. Alcohol content on this thing is... Not too high. We'll have some whole music. My sister's going to kill me for doing this, but she used to sing the 12.5. Okay. So this is a, well, this is a $22 bottle of wine. I thought I'd. Oh, splurge, girl, splurge. Falanginas can be found anywhere from $11.99 to $22.99. And this one you can see was, was made in a little bit different style. This has a little bit more elegance to it. This one, you know, you would definitely entertain with this one. Absolutely. Other ones can be anywhere from 11 to 11.5. Super. Yeah, there's some beautiful floral notes to it. It's just a very gorgeous, gorgeous glass of wine. Uh, I'm in, I've been in love with these and I'm in love with this one. Why do you think that some of these varietals that people, I mean, probably have never heard of, when they think of Italian wines, whites, for example, it's eye roll. And there's nothing wrong with these big ones, but like Pinot Grigio, I personally love a Vermentino. Um, I'm trying to think of other Italian whites. But why is Pinot Grigio so big and a wine like this is not known? Same reason why apples in New England are mm. so big. It's a This is an agricultural product. Okay. It is a cash crop. Yeah. That vine, Pinot mm-hmm. Grigio, Venice Vinifera, mm-hmm. it can grow in... I'm gonna nerd out. Nerd it out, girl. I'm so, here. For back it. in the day, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I grew up in gardener and farmer country. Yeah. But nobody else learned this in biology in like fourth grade. <laughs> or paid I attention. Did. Yeah. Because it was that old Tudor ideology of your farm. You had sure. four plots. Sure. One grew hay. Yep. One was vegetables. Yep. One was for grazing. And then you rotated them because you needed. To you keep have the to keep the proper, soil right. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, then anywhere else that you couldn't do that with that couldn't grow something, that's where wine was put. Your goal was to make your, the ideology in America, if you go over to, you know, Europe, Mm -hmm. front yards are filled with vegetables and canopies of vines. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're cultivating their own. That's, that's what a yard needs to do. It needs to cultivate something for the whole. To be very biodynamic. Exactly. And well, it's more of survival. True. It's, 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 you know, primordial survival. Totally. That's so totally what they had to do. And then that kind of passed down. From generation to generation. Mm-hmm. We live in a modern, growing up, technologically yeah. based world. And that is a little bit different here. So what you have is you have people who are making wine for water. Again, you keep going back to this ideology. But that's the reason why, you know, some of these areas exist the way that they do and are growing wines the way that they do. Mm-hmm. So in Italy and in a lot of these regions, you have Pinot Grigio that's easy to drink doesn't have high alcohol and you don't have to be the most experienced farmer to make it gotcha and it grows easily in other places exactly okay anywhere that's not vines will there's a phrase in france which i can't say in the french terms which is fine i'm gonna say it in the american one but when vines are stressed the wines will be at their best the fruit is a survival mechanism for the plant Oh. Because it wants the seed to drop uh-huh. and then it wants to plant it again. So you have to stress out the vine to I produce didn't know a fruit. that. And Pinot Grigio can do that very easily. Okay. Now, there is good places to make, just because you can grow it there and it makes wine, yeah. there's a huge market for that in mass in the United States. You don't see Pinot Grigio nearly as exported in any other country no. than you do the States. No. And But it's a low alcohol wine. It's something to drink during the day. Yeah. There's just also other wines that people just haven't been exposed to. That's all. And so Alto Aldige, uh, Friuli, mm-hmm. and Della Venizzi. 
Mm. Those are your three areas that you want Pinot Grigio to grow from. Okay. When you grab your Pinot Grigio from there, then you're kind of experiencing it like you're experiencing it here. Ah, okay. So, and also probably certain varietals and vineyards don't have the same marketing dollars that some of these other big ones do. So that probably plays into it a lot. And I want to say it was, what was her name from the Real Housewives of New York City that loved her Pinot Grigio? Ramona. Thank you. (laughs) So I'm sure that that didn't help the other varietals either with people like Ramona. Well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm sure, like, you know, when you go to Italy, Italy's... Italy's farming, um, it's it's different than than Europe. Italy didn't really compete historically in wars the way that no. France and Spain and Germany did. No. They weren't too interested in taking over because... They already tried to do it a long time ago. Well, they're kind of the start of the world. So they yeah. have that whole... Like, they literally have the start of the world. They have that thing going for them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, so... And they're after World War Two. If you look at historically what after what happened to a lot of the farmers after mm. World War Two, which actually did that was like kind of the first, I think, economic. Um, it's been the longest, I think, economic, um, you know, kind of frustration I think for them to come back from. And some of these farmers, they're just farmers. They they don't have the chateaus and these yeah. big huge areas as, as in the abundance that you see yeah. in France. So. You know, you have a lot of people who are going there and supporting farmers. You have a lot more, the, the idea of a commune, mm. um, you know, a cooperative as far as a winemaking community exists in Italy and kind of was started there. Yeah. Um, and it's and it also has to do with, it goes along with a field blend. It's mm. not just, you know, you know, aerial, you know, an area, you know, hardship. It also has to do with, you could, you could drink a different, Italian grape varietal in your adult life and not even hit the cusp of how many hundred percent that are there. Yeah. So you have a different way of winemaking there as well. Um, Very similar to Portugal. Portugal has a lot of um, um, historical basis back to the Roman times. Alentejo was actually making wine when the Romans settled there and was the first known wine to be exported back to the um, main Roman city. Yeah. Portugal, I feel like, does not get... I vis- We went to Portugal for two weeks one year, and I feel like Portugal does not get enough recognition <laughs> because they're... And us being in New England, it's a super quick flight. So quick. It's super affordable. Even though they're on the Euro, it's still super affordable, or it was five years, four years ago when we went. And the people are so unbelievably nice. The food is some of the best seafood I've ever had in my life. And the wine is really freaking good. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just not that known. Like they're known for their ports, but they're not known for their actual. Oh, 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 do we have one? Do we have one? I'm not going to not bring a Portuguese white. Oh my God. What a segue. We also have a Spanish one as too. Oh my God. I'm loving this. Um, but yeah, no, I think I fell in love with Portuguese wines and just absolutely wish that more people would drink them, you know? Mm. So this is, um, it's got a nice spicy kick to it. It's also $9.99. Ooh. She's very drinkable. This Similar is Similar to Gruner Vetliner, but yeah. it's on a different, it's kind, it's just like, almost like you have like the color yellow and then you have the color gold. Yeah. Like, it tends to be. Um, it's still green. It's still a young wine though. A little bit more stone fruit versus the Gruner, which has a little bit more of the citrus note. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally. But these are 
every day drinking wines. Yes, they are. And God damn it, we are drinking them every day, girl. So what do you think some of the wine trends, because wine trends come and go for 2021 that you're like excited about or are there any that you're like, just make it stop. If I see one more sparkling beverage of something like. I mean, I'm never, I never want anything to stop being created in the wine world because I'm competing with liquor and beer in a very predominant liquor or beer to liquor area. Malt beverage area. Because we have the breweries around here. And they're everywhere across the world now. Yeah. So, and they're lower alcohol. Yeah. You know, they're easier to drink. Some are, some not. Some not. There's still kind of that going, but... Stuff like this, people coming in and I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been exploring wine for seven to 10 years. I'm not going to go ahead and figure out that No, yeah, after yeah. five, it's yeah. all a blur after 100%. that. 100%. So, but the one thing that I love is I have so many, like I can walk into a store and I can be like, oh, let's grab this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do find is, and this is a fault I find on my business and the Sommeliers Guild, yeah. is that we've made it very intimidating for people to walk into stores. We've made it, oh, you don't know that particular fact from that the in the Byzantine Empire and yeah. why the you know, Knights yeah. of Templar or even have a rosé being made by Parasol. Like, no, like, <laughs> I'm the only one who needs to come up with that information. 100%. So, always wine has been not complicated. But we complicate it. People were making it in their own homes, in their garages. Right. Like, that's how fundamentally easy and hard this ideology is. So I really, really, really want people to get away from labels, relax a little bit, and explore more things at a smarter price point. And I think that comes from people in my business. Having tastings, allowing people to understand what an eleven ninety nine bottle is and what a twenty two dollar bottle is. Like we yeah. drank the Falangina. Yeah, that was a different wine. It landed on our palate differently. Hundred percent. Right. This one. This one is fun. It's zippy. It's fresh. Like us. You can exactly. <laughs> you can you can make a spritzer out of this and oh, be yeah. okay with that. Oh yeah. Um. You know, I make I make wine with cocktails all the time. I didn't. I worked at the People's Kitchen in the Citizen. Oh, in cool. Worcester, so yeah. I worked with some awesome bartenders that were always looking for flavor. We're always looking to develop flavor profile. Yeah. That's what makes me happy. And I don't care how that happens. Not to mention, I am not always going to drink a bottle of wine every single time I open a bottle. No. Sometimes I'm going to cook with it. Sometimes I'm going to put it in a cocktail. Sometimes I'm going to give it away to a friend who needs a sangria for the afternoon. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what it is. This has been around for 8,000 years. It's meant to be a survival way of life. So just relax and have fun and explore it. I love that. Sometimes you put it in your, you know, bladder that's on your hiking bag. That's why there's a blue and green one in the package. One is for water. One is for wine. Yep. You know, that way it's color-coded. 100%. And then you can just, you know, siphon it out, and everyone has a quick glass at the top of the mountain, and then you go back down. It's not a big deal. No, because the way down is always a hell of a lot easier than the way up. Absolutely. What are a couple of fun facts that you think people would love to know about wine that they might not know? Um, I, well, I'm going to say this is fun. This might be too nerdy mm. for folks, but I'm going with it. Go so with I, it. Nerd out with your fun facts. So... Beer yeast and wine yeast yep. are two totally different perceptions. Oh. 
So, and this is one of the things that kind of just made me appreciate wine and what my winemakers are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you need more. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back to a Gavi. Ooh. This is another Italian crepe. We're going back to Italy. We're going back to Italy. Um, my people. Thank you. So Gavi de Gavi, it's the Cordese grape. Ooh. There's a big back and forth about quality level and DOC and DOCG. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic, personally. Mm-hmm. So mm. beer yeast mm. and wine yeast, the way that this just the way that I read the article for is that beer yeasts are like dogs. Okay. And wine yeasts are like cats. Oh. Beer yeasts are far superior. <laughs> this is not to give anyone in the beer industry, especially right now, any type of ego. So yeah. beer yeast is superior to wine yeast. Okay. Because it's made in a lab, it's in a contained area. They oh, okay. have made a pretty little, like, I mean, you see, you go into a beer, a brewery, and they're sanitizing everything. Always, oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these beer yeasts have to be in this perfect little area to thrive. So they're kind of temperamental. Um, They're like, the, they're, they're, they can do more things than wine yeast can. Yeah. A wine yeast is, is is um, elegant and beautiful and, and needs, natural. And natural, like women, and needs... Time. To, to any individual out there who is a vegan, natural wine drinker, mm-hmm. you don't want the winemaker to wash the grapes off because mm. that is what's going to kick it. The wild yeast that's in the vineyard is what's going to kick this into... So wait a second. Vegans want the grapes washed? There's, there may or may not have been a video post by a certain celebrity that mentioned that. What? And so I just would like to clear the air. Yeah. That that is something there's you would... Because I thought vegans didn't like wine because of the way that it was processed through a bladder of, oh, what the hell So I that? think, right? I think that the vegan community yeah. has a very similar climate as do politics. <laughs> okay. I think there are individuals that take it seriously. <clears throat> yeah. I think there are individuals that maybe need to research some things a little bit more. Yeah. But take things as gold as to what people say and maybe get a little veered off course as to what that really means. Right. Um, and then I think there's other individuals that need to do this for a dietary restriction. 100%. Absolutely. And so and there's different reasons. approaches for that yeah, stuff. To eliminate um, certain things in so, the diet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There yeah. are absolutely yeah. wines that are that have been aged in an oak barrel that was lined with egg whites. And if you're a true vegan, you can be affected by that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's an absolute thing. However, the ideology that someone threw out there that you should wash the grapes, like you want as much natural stuff to Absolutely. go into them as possible. I mean, it's like sourdough bread. Exactly. So, exactly. And like, that's where you're getting all these beautiful nuances in the flavors. Yes. yes. So, then you move over to what happens in the, in the kind of the warehouse process. Yeah. So, the way that this lines up with dogs and cats. Cats <laughs> yeah. are domesticated, but they can thrive. Oh, yeah, they give zero fucks. In the wild. Yeah. A dog doesn't really thrive in the wild. They're pretty domesticated. Yeah. So when you take a beer yeast, and actually I did a wine tasting for a 50th birthday party um, a couple months ago, and there was a chemist on the call, and he goes, that is a fantastic way to describe (laughs) that. And I was like, thank you, because I need to break it down in terms (laughs) that people like myself can understand. Right, animals, fur babies. So... Beer yeast can't be let out into the wild. They'll die. So to me, that just made me understand, like, this literally is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm. And it's never the same vintage to vintage. 
Oh, I love that. It's like you're reading a book. <gasps> the author can't rewrite the book. They're going to have to come up with a different story. And it has to be equally as good. <sighs> or sometimes the chronicle runs out. That's so romantic. I do get a little romantic. I love it. I kind of cried my way through Spain and Portugal. Oh, this is time in a bottle. This is this is a moment of somebody's life in a bottle. And also the history of like nature and 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 earth. It. it, I mean, not to get that like seriously ideology about it, but um. It, it, to me, this is, my mother always taught us that, you know, if you're having a bad day, you can go away with, uh, you know, you can, not say go away, but you can take a break for a minute. You yeah. know, your central nervous system is extremely important to day-to-day life. Health is extremely important. Absolutely. Um, and, and balance. Yeah. Balance in work. And I think a lot of people have experienced that this year. And when you're looking at how winemakers there's no winemaker that I've ever met that's like, yeah, we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome. Let's go. <laughs> you always meet them and they're like, yeah, no, we're just going to wait for the vineyard. hundred percent. Like, yes. The only time yes. you see them get a little bit of craziness is when there's frost. Yes. And or a hurricane or yeah. a wildfire that has been created by a Man. human being. Yeah, absolutely. Devastated an entire 2020 vintage for Oregon Pinot Noir. It was so sad. It was so sad. Definitely grab... Oregon Pinot Noir Rosé. Okay. Because um, a lot of people... So the thing with smoke taint... Yeah. Is you can't put skin contact on the wine. Okay. So there's a lot of Pinot Noir that is going to be made into Rosé, this vintage, because you still have to make a product. So you're using really, really nice grapes for really good Rosé. Oh, wow. So that's where... And the industry needs help. So that's where I really want to encourage people to put some of their investment into, into... Definitely um, Oregon rosés this vintage. Awesome. So um, when we get off, we'll link in my show notes. You can name a few that maybe you love even more, and we'll put them in the show notes, and then people can find them at their local liquor stores, wine wine stores, because we need to support the community. Yep. Do you want to dive into some listener questions? Yes, I do. All right. I do this every day. Yay. Okay. So Tara from Facebook writes, being a wine buyer must be such a cool job. I agree, Tara. <laughs> What's your favorite experience or trip that you were able to take because of the job? Oh, that's a tough one. But just because of how emotional it is, it'll mm-hmm. definitely be um, the experience I had going to Spain and Portugal. Mm. Um, and you did it in one trip? Did it in 12 days. Ooh. I went to, we went to Sherry Country, uh, Cadiz as well, um, where there's the ancient variety, um, red varietal of Tintia, which is a red grape, um, similar uh, quality style to Cabernet, um, Alberto Orte. He's a dream of a winemaker that is um, bringing history back to life and taking, he had like one or two cuttings of this extinct plant and is literally bringing it back to life and doing it so that he can um, encapsulate Spanish history. That's beautiful. So it's, what they're doing is incredible. We went over to Sherry Country, where I experienced Sherry. Then we went to, uh, worked our way up into Portugal, where um, I got the pleasure of hanging out with Antonio Mancinita. And I sang in his chapel from the 15th century. (gasps) There may have been a little woman... Oh. I'll tell that story afterwards. Yes, but, please. Um, that's an off-air story, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, 
the women that were at the property, we connected and then we ended up, because I randomly started singing <laughs> I oh Will Always God. Love You by Whitney Houston. Love that. Don't know how that happened. And then we sang Ave Maria in oh, chapel. Oh, no wonder you cried. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And then um, we went up to the Dow at Alvaro, uh, Alvaro Castro's place, arguably the best winemaker in the world. Wow. Honestly. And he has a castle there for that's like 400, 600 years that his family has owned. It was powerful. The, the you know, I was at, I, when I was walking through the vineyards with him and I asked him, I said, you know, was your goal to always be a winemaker? And he said, well, my goal was to be an engineer. And then he stopped himself and he goes, I'm sorry, I am an engineer. I worked as an engineer for about 20 years. <laughs> oh my God. I was extremely successful at it. They don't think of that as their career. Wow. He said, but then you take over what the family's doing. He's like, I have a 600-year-old responsibility. Yes, he does. To hold on to something and protect something that's agricultural. Yeah. And I think growing up, you know, in the country that I did. So my, my dad can bring us back to house number 16 on Plymouth Plantation. And, you know, we're, we're a family of farmers. It's just yeah. that, it, unfortunately, my family sold the farm when my dad was in college. So, And when you go to Portugal, there's so much untouched land there. Yeah. I got to go to a cork facility. It's that was so amazing. cool. That must that be so cool. So cool. We went to um, Ria Spicious with Rodri Mendez. Um, got to hang out with Juana Mancinina in the Duro. If you want an experience mm. in life, mm-hmm. I was with, with, with a bunch of... New England people, and then a bunch of people from the West Coast yeah. and Vegas. We were loud. We were ready to go. Yeah. We went in the ferry. You feel like you need to be wearing a toga. <laughs> like, you go back in time. It's like someone That's just amazing. kept it there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Dan in Las Vegas asks, I like Sauvignon Blanc. Honestly, really, the only wine I drink. But... I want to try another way. I can't stand Chardonnay or Pinot Grigio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preach. What other whites are out there that I might like? Well, Dan, we have a whole table of whites for you, buddy. I wish you were here. Um, Literally. Okay. Well, definitely uh, any of the whites from Beta Interior, although there's not too many here in the state. This one that we have here, yep. Beda, B-E-Y-R-A, is probably the only one you're going to get. Um, we move over to Muscadet. Oh, I love a Muscadet. The Loire Valley has those citrus notes. Yeah. It also is the birthplace of Sauvignon Blanc. Any grape varietal from Loire Valley mm. is typically going to have those She's citrus. got a little funk to her. Yes. So this is the Surly's aging. Um, this can, so Muscadet has two different styles. You have yeah. non, you have non Surly's aging and then you have Surly's aging. Everything will say it on the label. Oh, okay. On whether or not it has that. It's a pretty label. Um, I'm pretty sure this one is $11.99, but this one has kind of like those, you, I always look for things when I'm, when I'm exploring different things other than Sauvignon Blanc, I want things that have clementine, apricot, 100%. Uh, tangerine. Yeah. Um, a little bit of orange, the meat, not necessarily the pith. Yeah. Um, you know, I want Good something point. that, that lands on my back palate. When citrus lands on my back palate, I get very excited. It's much more enjoyable. Yes. Dan, we'll put some ideas on the show notes for you. All right. CJ in New York City writes, I invested in some wines recently that are more than 20 bucks, but I don't have a wine fridge. What's the best way to store them so they won't go bad? And I'm guessing in New York City, you might not have a basement. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a, maybe you are bougie and you have a big apartment. Find your heat sources. Okay. 
And you want to make sure that you're always as far away from your heat sources. I have not. I've got a wine fridge six months ago. Ooh. So I have done, and it's been hot. It's been hot. And I've moved a lot, and I haven't had an AC the whole time. So two things you have to worry about here in New England. You have to worry about severe cold and then severe heat spikes. Yes. So I always like to take the case, wrap it in a blanket of some kind. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an insulated blanket. It can just be like a blanket that you don't need to use anymore. Towels also work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then put it in a closet somewhere. Closets typically are not near heat heat sources. Good idea. They typically have, or a pantry. Yeah. Or what you can do too is store it where you would store your potatoes. Good idea. So anywhere that you keep food that can't get too fluctuating with temperature. Yeah. Um, your whites, I mean, your whites, you should be drinking right away, right away. So yeah. put those in the fridge or on the side of the counter somewhere, but your reds, you know, as long as it's wrapped, depending upon how many you have, I've kept things in the bottom drawer of my, uh, dresser. Oh, that's another great idea. I didn't even think of that. Because you're, you're like not the gonna... Carrie Bradshaw of wine. You're like, I just I store mean, things in my stuff. Like I'm putting things in my dresser. So, um, but what you have, like usually your dresser, is, you want it, f- you want it flush up against the wall. So yeah. it's not going to be near a heat source. hundred percent. So that's another way. I love that. Yeah. All right. Great. David from Instagram writes, do you like to make wine cocktails? Why, yes, she does, David. Why, yes, I do. <laughs> I do, sir. You might not like hearing this, but I get so bored with just drinking just drinking wine. I don't care how you drink it. Just no, drink we it. don't either. Mainline it. Is there a fun way to mix it with other things? Um, definitely. I love um, anything with gin, uh, tonic. I'm not a huge fan of tonic, but I do appreciate how it balances in certain... When we get off, I'll tell you my tonic story. It involves kitty litter in Arizona from 2002. So oh, it's wicked funny. Yes, that is yes, a story yeah, I want to yeah. hear about. Um, I, I mean, I usually, I will say that I've probably partaked more in people making cocktails for me with wine in them versus yeah. actually making them myself, but... I mean, spritzers, like, oh, yeah. again, if you haven't drank the whole bottle and it's there the next day, yeah. and it might not be exactly where you want it to be, throw some lemonade on there with some soda water. Everyone yeah. has, I mean, polar seltzers, you have so many different styles of soda Absolutely. water you can make with that. Mix it with gin, mix it with, um, I mean, gin is a huge, I would definitely explore a lot of Spanish cocktails. Spanish cocktails do use a lot of wine toppers, especially red wine toppers. Oh, yeah. Vino Tinto. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a good point is from a former bartender of 13 years that with wine, you want to think of like what the flavor profiles of the wine that you're drinking. Mm -hmm. And then is it florally? Okay, if it's a little florally, gin's going to go great with that because it's got these floral herbaceous notes. If it's not... Then, you know, maybe just like you were saying, a fun plain seltz or a grapefruit seltz or a lime or lemon seltz. And like you're just putting in some whatever fruit you have. And then there's always sangria. You can make a million different kinds of sangria. A million different sangrias. Any prohibition cocktail, you can add those. You can add wine too. Also, gin and tonics. Yeah. With your leftover rosé on top. Ooh, delish. Like my perp. And then maybe some mint. You can, you can add you can add rosés to mules and it makes oh, them... Oh, that's a good one too. And it gives this little kind of like strawberry characteristic yeah. to it, but it's not sweet. You're not adding sugar. 
Right. And You're this, just adding flavor. Yeah. And that's what I like to use wine for. And like think of drinks like the French 75 where oh, it's yes. like, right, gin, elderflower, and um, some kind of sparkling, whatever yep. sparkling you want. Change it up. Grab a rosé. Exactly. Grab or a rosé even a white lavender. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Virginia <laughs> from Instagram writes, do I really need to pour my wine into a decanter? No. Does it really do anything? Yes. It does. Okay. It does do something. And that's why not all wines should be in a decanter. What does it do? So it aerates the wine. Yep. You, what you want to do is, the reason why this is enclosed is Mm because you need to stop oxygen from getting into it so Mm -hmm. that it stops fermenting. Yep. Because now you don't want it to change the flavor profile. Right. But wine has a mind of its own. It does. And for as much as it's been around, there's Mm -hmm. still a whole lot scientifically that we haven't been able to break down on proteins and enzymes and all, and phenols and all these other things. And then you have, you know, sanitation and all this other stuff that goes along with the bottle temperature fluctuation, which tends to be, you know, 90% of why a wine has gone bad. It it, it receives some sort of huge temperature fluctuation from when it left the warehouse, from when it left the winery to when it got here. And that's why it went bad. So, um, Pinot Noirs, you should never decant. Okay. Unless they're aged. If something is aged, you should always decant it, even if it's a white wine. Because what you need to do is you need to, these things have gone dormant. You almost have to wake it up again. Exactly. I I used to tell my staff all the time, these wines need a hand to get them to come out. They're They're shy. They're $400 bottles of wine. They're shy. (laughs) Yeah. They're very, very shy. Yeah, I love that. And they need some support getting them out. So would you recommend, if you're decanting a wine that's older that has sediment in the bottle, would you put a small strainer or something to catch the sediment as you're decanting it? You can. Um, Decanters are meant, the whole reason why a decanter is... We have one right there. Yep. So you do one side to pour into the the decanter and use another side to pour into the glass because it's meant to capture... It's meant to capture the, the That's sediment. Good to know. Yes. But the cheesecloth is also another component because there tends to be a lot of that in there because it's an yeah, old the wine. Wines, yeah. So white wine gains color with age. Yep. Red wine loses color with age. Yep. Color is a solid mass still and it needs somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um and so Oh, and that's what causes sediment. Yeah. <gasps> it's skin contact that oh. that attached to bonds. I'm sorry to all of the winemakers out there if I'm not saying the right correct terminology, I but it. I'm 99% short cuz it's yeah. a pigment and it needs to bond yeah. to something. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it goes from. And so, but if I have like a cabernet from 2017, yeah. that uh, and I want it and it's also when are you going to drink it? Right. I could if I'm doing that for dinner, then I'll open it up in the bottle. If mm-hmm. I don't have a decanter, mm-hmm. you just open it up ahead of time. Maybe it needs about an hour to breathe. Okay. So give it time. Yeah. If you do, the decanter is there to help speed up the process. Kath, I love Kath. Kath, Kath in Vermont writes, what are your favorite wine pairings right now? She's a thinking, Kath. She's a thinking. Crab Rangoons and Cava. Anything but Shut up. That's like the official pairing is champagne and Crab Rangoons. Shut up. Chinese food and Cava is like a match made in heaven. I also really, really enjoy rosé and like jerk chicken wings or barbecue chicken wings. Rosé, when you're out at, I still want to be refreshed from that like sweet kind of um, molasses kind of thickness from anything barbecue. And a rosé just cleans you right up. But it still has a volume of flavor that goes with it really nicely. Um, And then I'm really enjoying things like the Kerner, which is... um, like in the Gruner too with yeah. uh, vegetables because 
You have to eat a vegetable once in a while. Right. And then if you have like a medium, medium bodied reds, like Menthea from Spain. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Barbera from Diosti. Sure. Those yeah. are great. Um, Cab Franc. I know. Cab Franc in the summertime. Oh. It's barbecue. Oh. It's so good. New England Cab Francs are doing fantastic really? right now. Yes. I uh, happened to be at Greenvale Vineyards in um, Newport, Rhode Island recently. And I've always had an affinity for Cab Franc because it was the first varietal I picked out in a blind tasting. Yeah. And um, so it's more like a muscle memory for me. Sure. And like a, you know, an emotional thing than quality wise, which yeah. is what wine should be. It should be an emotional enjoyment, not necessarily a quality level. Yeah. And um, I was asking the Billy, um, the... Uh, winemaker up there about Cab Franc and how it's doing and these heat spikes that we've had have really helped that varietal and when I mean Ravines has been doing beautiful Cab Franc for the last mm. few years um, and those those wines with barbecue ugh, they just make me happy in my soul Julia in Rhode Island speaking of Newport great oh, segue yep yeah, mm-hmm. I used to love drinking wine, but the, the hangovers are killing me. Juliet Forty, I hear you, girl. Yep, I'm there. Even after one or two glasses, I get I seem to get a headache. Someone told me to try organic wines. Would they help? I miss wine and would love to drink it again, but I can't do with the hangovers. <laughs> so unfortunately, I wish there was a way for me to say, yes, do organic wines and make you <laughs> right. feel better. But unfortunately, just like I, it took me a very long time to, I thought wine was my issue. Thank God it wasn't. It was dairy. <laughs> Although right now I would give up my wine career to eat dairy. Oh, so sad. I could be a cheesemonger though. You could. But you maybe someday you'll eat dairy again. I do eat it. Right. I just We take pills to eat it. Well, yeah, and then I just make sure I have like oatmeal the next day. Right. For like the next three days. But right. I had to go through a process to figure out what was affecting me. Sometimes it's what, so, so for me, I was e- eating dairy typically every time I was drinking wine. Yeah. Because I do drink a lot of wine. Yes, yep. this job is really cool. Yeah. I do drink a lot of wine, but on the downside of that, I drink a lot of wine. It can be very over extracting on the palate. I have to taste wine all the time. Mm-hmm. And just like someone kind of gets sick of Sauvignon Blanc or sick of something like that, I do get sick of, ta- my palate gets tired of tasting wine. Yeah. My taste buds simply get tired with it. So cheese would help move that along. So now I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what was was affecting it. So it could be the antihistamines from the oak barrels. Ooh. It could be, you know, unless, you know, and I, I typically come in and ask people all these things. Do you eat a lot of deli meat? If you eat a lot of deli meat, then you know it's not sulfites. If you don't eat a lot of deli meat, it could be the sulfites. Oh, because there's sulfites in deli meat. There's much more sulfites in deli meat than there is in wine. Oh, wow. But depending upon how your body is interacting with it, similar to gluten, some people have intolerance, sometimes it's full celiac. Yep. So you, unfortunately, you'll have to figure out what it is, but pay close attention always when you're reacting to wine on what you're drinking and how it's finished. You're not, you're not allergic to grapes. Right. Maybe you are, but if you are, you're right. usually not. You, you can't. Then you're a dog, and, and you, you know would that. die. Right, yes. exactly. Yeah. But pay attention to how wines are finished. Yep. It could be the you. If you're a vegan, and you don't know that wines have been, you know, lined with egg whites, that could be the reason why you're reacting. Absolutely. So it all depends upon. To me, what I've found, and I am not a doctor by any means, mm-hmm. but I have found that a lot of the things that people are reacting to is what happens to the wine when it's in the finishing process. Oh, 
oak barrels. If you have, you know, if you have allergies a lot, severe allergies, oh, oak is going to be your thing. So, wow. and there's a lot of people, you know, I just, I have these, these conversations happen to me probably once a week. Mm-hmm. I just had a, a, a woman come in the other day. Her daughter said, she said, no, Sancerre, I'm not allergic to. <laughs> Okay. But it's because when I, w- when I was trying to figure out my allergy, I would say, nope, I've eaten that before. And I, I, I thought it was meat at one time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm allergic to meat now. Yeah. You're like, I have to give up meat. So, but it's a, it's a process. You got to eliminate everything and then reintroduce it back yeah. in to figure yeah. out what it is. So if you have an, an allergy to wine, look at the last wine that you had, or if you, the last reaction you had, figure out how it was finished and start from there. Awesome. Great advice. Okay. Stefano in Massachusetts writes, I live close by Julio's Liquors. Big fan of the store. Thank you, Stefano. And I'm so always... So are we. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I'm always looking for new and interesting wines. What are a couple of your favorite wine producers that people might not know about, but that should know about? Um, Alberto Orte in, in, in Spain. He's imported by Oleo Borgado. Um, he is, like I said before, earlier in the podcast, he is encapsulating Spanish history and he needs to be supported. Antonio Mancinita has been a phenomenal winemaker since he was 24 years old. Mm. He is incredibly humble. Brianne, uh, Brianne Day from Mm. Oregon. She's a single mom. Oh, buy it. She was doing four, she was doing, uh, had four jobs trying to, and she could have done her 2013 vintage on her own, but that was when she finally got, uh, funded. Okay. And she's a badass. She is incredibly tuned into the vineyards. She's incredibly tuned in to farmers and what they're doing in the, in the farming community that is in Oregon. She um, did a rosé. She was supposed to do a 24,000 um, case production of kind of single vineyard uh, Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. And because of the smoke taint, she was individually fermenting blocks in five-gallon buckets. Who is she? she oh, my God. She was testing, like, each presses that would come off. She ended up making 15, 12 or 15,000 cases of uh, rosé called Let's Just All Make the Best of This. Oh, my God. I love her. And she called it Lemonade. Oh. When life gives you lemons, yeah. make lemonade. Yeah. And so the other 15,000 cases she's going to make into an Armagnac. I love her. Andy in Canada writes, everyone drinks white wine in the summer, but I like red. All right. No problem there. Are there some good red wines that I should have in the summer that aren't super heavy? Barbera, Nebbiolo, Menthea, Pinot Noir. Love them all. Spate Burgunders. Love them. Orange wines. Mm-hmm. Orange wines... Huge. They made a comeback last year, didn't they? You did. Yeah. You said what was the trend that's making me freak out. Orange wine does not need to be orange. No. It's a white wine that has skin contact on it. Yep. Which Kind of like a rosé. Very similar to a rosé, but it's not pink. No. Because they've used the skins from the white wine and not the skins from a red wine to do it. So you're going to have a ton of texture. Mm -hmm. They do take a minute for you to understand because we eat and taste with our eyes a lot and you're going to look at it and it's going to be white yeah. and you're going to taste it and yeah. you're going to need to close your eyes while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, there's also Field Recordings, which is a, a phenomenal winery um, out of California and they do a lot of chilled reds. Ooh. There's one that's called the Fredo and it's 100% uh, Sangiovese and the label actually turns like this periwinkle 
pink oh, or a periwinkle color when blue, it's ready yeah. to, when it's ready to um, drink. Stop it! Like when you tap the Rockies on the Coors Light bottle. Exactly, and I don't want anyone knocking this business for doing that because wine is fun. Wine is fun, kitschy, and there's hell yeah elegance to it, and there's high end, and then there's easy drinking chillable reds that are great for the summertime. Like I this gentleman is asking. Love that. Yeah. All right. Last listener question. Grace from Instagram bringing it home. Great question, Grace. What? Are your current favorite wines to drink right now? The Kerner. So this is from Guns Winery, G-O-N-C. Um, this is a Slovenian winery that I had the privilege of getting to know because of the um, because of the uh, previous wine director that I took over the program for. She got engaged and had to move out to Western Massachusetts, where she is thriving and she's doing an awesome job out there. Uh, um, and this is from Gilbert Distributing. Um, oh my God. This is Kerner. So this is a little bit of a kind of special story. Tell me. Because Kerner is actually named after Julius Kerner, the German poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's, this is delicious, by it's the delicious. way. Delicious. Like, it's my new favorite glass of wine. $16.99. What a great price point. And they also do um, they also do a muscat. That's kind of an, it's an orange wine. I can feel really that beautiful. in that. Yeah. The label is fun. Everything you know about, I mean? I'm like in love with this. Like sometimes I like to put bottles of wine out as like a, you know, art. I have them on my counter as art. You can yeah. make them into things. People, especially with the outdoor weddings that people are doing nowadays. A big time. Yeah. Huge. Um, so this was developed in 1929, but it wasn't allowed to be cultivated until 1969. This was really the idea of technology is laughable to the winemaking community. Yeah. They have been farming tools, farming practices. Mm. They have been in a technological-based advancement world since they started making wine. Yeah. And so the fact, I feel like this was kind of this... um, you know, 1920s, this type of this type of time period, this was when they were like, no, we are going to develop a white wine yeah. that is, um, it can fight against frost. It can, um, you know, it can sustain in high elevations. Yep. So this is a cross between Riesling and then um, a red varietal from Slovenia that I cannot pronounce. Yep. S-C-H-I-A-V-A. Um, but it's a crossbred between the Shiva? two of those. Similar to a medium style red. So similar to Pinot Noir. It's so effing good. And you can tell too by the color. It has a little bit of a, it has a, a color-ish color. It's got legs on it. She is pretty. It has some gorgeous legs. And it's similar to color to Chardonnay, but it's not, it's not heavy. It's light. No, it's light. It's super, super light. This is also found in, 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 um, Canada and same area that Pinot Grigio grows, good Pinot Grigio. This is also in Alto Adige as well in uh, Italy. This is utterly delicious. Mm. I'm so like honored that I get to share this class with you right now. Oh, thank you. Okay, we're wrapping it up, people. We have to talk just about food for a second. What are you currently making at home right now? I'm doing a lot of like grain bowls. Oh, yeah, sure. Because they're easy. I do work. You know, mm-hmm. I work, you know, during the day. And An insane amount of hours. Yeah. And it's easy just to pop, especially if you're popping something in the fridge. Mm-hmm. I also, I, I do, I'm a single girl. So, yeah. you know, you can utilize a lot of different flavors this way. Um, I love using, like, one of my grain bowls would be um, quinoa 
with um, some endamame and scallions, uh, zucchini, cooked zucchini, wilted spinach, or wilted spinach yep. or kale, and then a tahini sauce. I'm really Ooh, about sauces right now. Yum. Um, there's also, I've been in a little bit of an Asian flair. There's these sure. chicken Asian burgers that I do yeah. with kind of a coconut tahini kind of spicy sauce. Um, sauces really, yeah. when you pair that with a wine... Tomato sauce, sauce, barbecue sauce. Any kind of sauce. Any type of, you know, I'm really into kind of marinating stuff, figuring out what to do there. Yep. Um, you know, just, I'm always kind of in an exploration of flavor. A lot of vegetables. I, I utilize what's in season. Mm-hmm. Just had lobster the other day with a little bit of an Indian kind of curry. Ooh. But I did them a little, but it's not, it wasn't a spicy curry. Yeah. It was more sweet potato with peas. Ooh. So, it, and then, and then kind of the basmati rice. I love peas. Big fan of paella on a regular during the summertime. It's one pan. Hell yeah. You could use a lot of leftover meat with that situation. Oh yeah. Paella is, American chop suey. A paella is amazing. And there's many different kinds of paella out there. There are. And they're all correct. And they're all correct. <laughs> and we got to talk because I know you're a restaurant gal. What are a couple of the restaurants you're excited about going back to now that life in Massachusetts, we are slowly opening up. I mean, there's a lot of places in the world that have opened up. Like Florida did not have COVID apparently or yeah, Texas. No. no, they didn't. But like slowly our world is very, and Massachusetts, even as we're recording this, still isn't open. Not completely. Not completely yeah. yet. But but what are a couple that you would love to talk about and highlight that you're excited about going back to? Baba. Oh. I have been supporting them throughout the COVID. Of course. Of course. <laughs> you can find them on DoorDash and Grubhub if you need to. They also <laughs> deliver through their own as well. Do pick up. It's fine. Um, um, the, I mean, I have to give cred to my niche crew. I'm really excited, you know, to you know, go back to Bocato and go back to The Fix and go back to Mezcal and, um, Birch all Street homed. Bread. These are like all places in Worcester. Let's just put that out there right yeah. now. Yeah. Pickety Place in Mason, New Hampshire. My mom just went there two weeks ago. I love Pickety Place. Like, and like the little like farm standy area where you can buy all the dried dips and then you can mix them in with sour cream. They have a clock, a Roman I clock, know. and it has all the different times in it. I know. It's my favorite. Pickety Place! It's my oh, favorite. The road it back. My mom lives in Milford, New Hampshire. Like, I feel like what I loved going there for their dinners. It's, um, they have a kitchen garden there. They do. It's their beautiful. food is fabulous. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, I, unfortunately, working in restaurants, I didn't go out too, too much to certain right. places. Um, Arms B Abbey's back open. Oh, is it? Arms B Abbey oh. is back open. Everybody needs to go there, see my buddy Silas, see all the crew there. Yeah. You know, they, they took a... Took kind of a beating this last year, yeah. and, and they're ready. They're ready to mingle, and they're ready to give That's you their awesome. food and beer. So, do it. Definitely a big shout out to them as well. Do it, do it, do it. Okay. So, how can people find you? How can they they get to know you like I know you? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I I spend most of my time at Julio's. Yes, in Westboro. Um, and there's on also, Route Nine. On Route Nine. Yep. And uh, it we're past the Lowe's, past the Christmas tree shop, yep. that whole jazz. Um, right by the Tatnik, um, Tatnik yep. Cafe, the new Tatnik Cafe that's over there. And I do have a, we do have a Julio's Wine Shop page. Um, it's at Julio's Wine Shop PPE um, that, that you guys can follow. And then there's also my handle, you know, at ccaruth09 um, on Instagram. And she's available for virtual wine tastings if you want to yes. do that. Or now that we're getting more in person, she can definitely come to you. Yep. And if you want to have a wine tasting, you can hire her. And she will be at your event or your wedding or yep. whatever you'd like to do. Yep. 
We do all of that. And um, I even do, we even have a, like I've done birthday parties with virtual sure. wine tastings. Um, we have a delivery service within our yep. facility. You can do curbside. You can come in and talk to us. It, May 29th, we're going to start doing tastings in the store again. Um, and then we might even have some trips planned to some oh. local vineyards. Where people can come and meet up at the vineyard, and then we can have a little tour, and then you can kind of go on your way. Um, transportation is going to be interesting with COVID, as COVID has made everything interesting. But yeah. um, we're here for you. We've pivoted as best that we can. You we've, have. We've invested in technology to get to you guys, and you know, however, we need to make things available to you. We want to hear. We want to hear feedback. Um, this is a new territory for us. And Absolutely. so the community is going to help us figure out what you guys need us to do to be able to get tastings to you. Absolutely. So, last question, sister. If COVID wasn't a thing, which it's almost not, and you had oodles and oodles of noodles of money, where are you going? What are you eating and drinking? It would be a 10 to 12 day trip (laughs) where I would probably start in... There'd be three separate trips that would be 10 to 12 days. Perfect. One would definitely be kind of like Thai, Thailand in that area. Yeah. Um, the spices and the flavors that exist in Had me at hello. some of the most simple dishes that exist on the planet. Yep. And I don't mean that in a way to discredit them, but na- it's why I love wine. Natural flavors that are occurring yep. in the universe that they've just been able to highlight in the most beautiful ways. Yep. Yep. Um, France. Okay. I need original French cooking. I've never experienced it. Oh, you have to. You're going to like Normandy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. then Italy. I've been to oh, Spain sure. and Portugal. I've seen definitely some beautiful influences there. Okay, maybe a fourth trip because I'd have to go to South Africa. I'd have to go to Africa as well. Mm-hmm. Done. Okay, well, I'm packing my bag and going on everything. Woo-hoo! Cassie, this was the best day ever. Thank you. It was lovely. Thank you for coming. Pleasure. I love you so much. I love you so much. This and is great. We're going to hang out forever and ever and ever. Whatever you want to do. Yay! I got plenty of of wine to go around for Well, we're now going to sign off, tell funny stories, and drink a ton of wine together. Yes, we are. Yay! Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Cassie, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast, supplying an insane amount of wine, and really, honest to God, just making my day. That was so 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 much fun you guys can find cassie at julio's wine and liquors in westboro massachusetts or on the internet and i will supply all of that contact information in the show notes on my website you guys that's a wrap on this episode please go to my website for all of the show note information elizabethrfuller.com if you want to work together with food and product photography i got you or if you have questions for the podcast Hit me up. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. As always, lead with kindness. Make some yummy food this weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. Take care, guys. Bye.